Yeah, so we have been, uh, we've been uh, out for two weeks for vacation, glad to be back and ready for ministry, ready to minister. I'm glad that you're here uh, this afternoon so we can get in the Word of God. And those of you who will be watching, we welcome you. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the like and follow, subscribe button so you can continue to get messages from here. And if you're watching on Facebook, you can also do the same. And uh, you'll also be able to hear it on a podcast as well. We'll we put that on our podcast as well for the Word of God to get out and um, pray and encourage you. And we also want to welcome, we want to ask you to come and visit with us. We would love for you, maybe some of you have been watching for a little while and you live in the area here in Columbia, South Carolina. We want to welcome you to come and be in, in present here with us in fellowship and praising the Lord right here at Manifest Church. So we... Um, just wanted to get that out there and let you know that we want you to come and be a part of what God is doing here. Amen. So um, let's um, get right to it. So um, I'm going to pray as we get ready to jump in this word. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to preach the gospel, to preach your word, Lord God. Thank you that you have given me the grace to do it, Lord. Lord, apart from you, I could do nothing. Lord, I thank you that it is your grace that makes me competent to preach this word, Lord. So I come to you, Lord, asking you to have your way in me. Speak through me, Lord God. And I pray that what uh, you have to say today would impact those who listen right here presently and those who will watch and listen later through whatever social media they listen to. God, I pray that you'll have your way, Lord. Thank you for what you're going to do. Holy Spirit, we welcome you right now to minister to our hearts, to uh, open the blind eyes, unlock deaf ears, that they might hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, we've been in a series called The Latter Times. Uh, Latter Times. And uh, remember, our main text has been in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. Um, and this passage uh, has been really the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy, a young pastor, helping him understand the times in which are coming and why he wants him to straighten out the church where he's at, to, to make sure that he teaches proper doctrine and that his life uh, is also reflecting that. And so not only is he talking to a young pastor, but he's talking to you and me as Christians that we ought to live a life that pleases God. We ought to live a life that is godly. And we uh, we've been in that series, uh, the last time we were together, um, we, I declared uh, uh, there in verse uh, 7 and 8, I want to read this to you, it says for, um, in verse 7, have nothing to do with godless myths, old wives tales, rather train yourselves to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come, Amen. God, um, through the Apostle Paul speaking here, he tells them that, that physical training is of some value, but what you ought to be training yourself up is in, uh, yourselves in is godliness. Godliness is something that you and I need to train ourselves up. And uh, last week I talked to you about that godliness is the antidote to desertion. Where uh, we saw in, in, in here in verse 1, of this chapter, the Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon or desert the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. You see, um, if you look around you, you see churches in America deserting the faith. 
And you say, Pastor, what churches? I mean, buildings? No, we're talking about people. You know, the church is the people, you, me, everyone inside this building and those who are listening and watching. If you are a Christian, if you if you confess the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then he is your Lord and you have his spirit. If you're not his, you don't have his spirit. And so those who are the church are the people of God. You, me, we are the church. The church is not this building, even though it's a beautiful edifice. Uh, it's, it's nice to have a building. But ultimately, the church is you and me, the body of Christ. We are the church. And we see churches in America deserting the faith. What, does this, what do I mean by this? It means that they are abandoning the truths of the faith they once held and now believe a lie. You see, before you can get to the apostasy, before you can go completely away from God and say, I'm done with God, I want nothing to do with God, you first have to desert or abandon the truths of God's word that is plain to every man. The truth of what God said that is plain as, as, uh, as black and white in his word, you have to first suppress that and believe a lie in order to be led into apostasy that's coming in the last days of which we are living in now. The Bible says um, here uh, that in these latter times, we're going to see people abandoning the faith. They're going to what are they going to abandon to deceiving spirits and teachings, doctrines of demons. They're going to follow uh, things that have nothing to do with God. They're, they're rooted in the basic elementary uh, think principles of this world, but they are not rooted in Christ and therefore they are hollow and they are wicked in themselves. You see, uh, today you see churches in America that, that once held uh, to, the, to the truth, they, they, they find themselves as what the Bible says here in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 19. It says, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. You see, men know what God's truth is, and yet they suppress it. These are people who know the truth and suppress it in order to do what they want to do. <laughs> and this is why the wrath of God is going to be poured out, because of what men are doing by suppressing the truth. You see, God isn't going to be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. If he sows to the flesh, he's going to reap destruction. If he sows to the spirit, he'll reap eternal life. There are churches today that have adopted the lies of Marxism through critical race theory and intersectionality. They have accepted the lie that God accepts us in our practice of sexual and moral behavior. They have accepted the lie that there are more than two genders. This is an abomination to God. These things do not belong in the vocabulary of a church member, of a Christian. And when I say the church, I mean you and me, people of God, those who say they follow Jesus Christ. I, I, I tell you, there are people right now who say they love Jesus and are born again of his spirit who believe this garbage. They believe this thing, these things. They, they have adopted these things. How does, it, how does this happen? How does someone... Um, who once held to the truth of God's word that sexual moral behavior is not to be in the life of a believer, but now is okay with it. That drunkenness and debauchery is, is, is uh, those who practice such things are not going to inherit the kingdom of God, who once held that truth, 
Now they believe, well, you know, uh, it's okay to be a drunkard. It's okay to do whatever you want. It's not a big deal. No, you have to, you have to suppress what is plainly true about what God says in order to believe the lie. And that's what men have done. They have believed the lie. And that's why their, their, their lives are a wreck, though it may look like everything's fine, but internally there's a storm in their hearts because sin uh, will keep you longer than you want to stay, take you farther than you want to go, and ultimately destroy your life. For the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But I'm here to tell you, friend, that the gift of God is eternal life. You don't have to end up that way. You don't have to live a life in sin. You can walk a godly life. You can live a life that pleases God. And so how do we get to a place where people deny the truths that they once held? You know, uh, the Bible tells us in Psalm that if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundations have been destroyed. The enemy has come in to the church. And how he's done it, he's he has attacked the foundations of our faith that are found in Genesis chapter 1 through 11. We can find the foundations of the Christian faith in those 11 chapters of Genesis in the very beginning. Let me, let me, let me give you an example. Do you understand that there are people today who have money and power, who move things in this earth because God allows it? Remember this, because ultimately God is laughing at them because one day he's going to bring them to account. But here's what I got to tell you. These people have power and their goal is to depopulate the earth. Uh, do you know that that is a direct, a direct assault on God's command to mankind? God told man, be fruitful and multiply the earth. And what do men want to do who have money? They want to depopulate the earth. They write books about it. They talk about these things openly and say we need to get rid of people and, and get rid of certain people and we, we can't have that many people, so they, they create uh, certain medicines to try to help people, right? But ultimately, it's depopulating the earth. It is causing people to die. Uh, these very things they say are helping people. You know, I have to be careful how I say it. They might just ban me from, from what I say, so let's just leave it at that. These things that they say are helpful to people are actually killing people. Weakening their immune system, giving them a greater chance to, to getting sick and ill and dying. The, the, the goal of this satanic movement or mindset is to depopulate the earth. It is not, their goal is not to, to fill the earth like God wants it to. Why? Because their master or their father is Satan. You see, Satan is telling them, I want you to kill man. How do we get to a place? Why? Because we reject the very fact that we were created in the image of God. And you know that every person on this earth is an image bearer. And there is an eccentric value in that. Why? Because God gives us value. God placed a high premium on, on life. He, he praises us so much that he didn't spare his own son to save us and give us eternal life. That is the goodness of God. That is the awesomeness of of our Heavenly Father. He is good. He is great. And yet they have attacked the foundation. And so people believe that, you know, we're to depopulate the earth. How do people believe there are two genders when, when what? They have to reject the foundation of the truth. What does the Bible tell us in Genesis chapter 1? We were created in the image of God. 
God created them male and female. He created them in the image of God. God created man and woman. God, female, he made a female and he made a, a male, period. There's no other genders out there. This is all made up stuff. This is pseudoscience in order to uh, cr create a kingdom for Satan in this world. And people continue to follow it. There are people who make a lot of money who push this stuff and it's killing and it's hurting people. They're not interested in healing them. They're not interested in, in bringing salvation to them. They're interested in having control over them by giving them what they want so they can get the power they want rather than giving them what they need. And so we have this. They've attacked the foundations that God has created. It's a direct assault that God made man and woman. And there isn't anything else out there. Everything else is what they make up in their head. Tomorrow you can say, according to the pseudoscience, I am a deer. I believe I am a deer. I identify as a deer. I identify as a doorknob. Whatever you want to identify as, that is what this pseudoscience is saying. And young people in here, I want you to know that there is no one wiser than God. No one, there's no professor, there's no uh, expert out there that is greater and wiser than the living God. And the Bible says, let God be true and every man be a liar. Do not put your trust in men. The Bible says the, the one who fears man, uh, those who fear men, it's, it's a, a snare and a trap in their lives. The fear of man. But those who trust in the Lord will be saved. Trust in God. Don't trust in what professor says and all these people. They're, they're full of hot air. They're full of hot air. And there's a, there's a reason why they're full of hot air, because they have suppressed the truth. The things that are so plain to them, they have suppressed the truth and believe the lie, just as it says there in Romans. How do we get there? How do we attack on marriage? Now we want to re-identify, we, we want to redefine uh, marriage, and yet they are attacking the very first institution that God made. It marriages between one man and one woman for life. God created this. And at every moment, they are trying to an assault on what the Creator does. And that is an assault on the foundations of your faith. And if you at one moment give in to that spirit of this world, you will eventually become an apostate believer. You will leave the church. You will no longer be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know why? Because you did not love the truth. You were more fearful of men than you were of God. God doesn't want that for you. He wants you to, to know him and make him known. And we're talking about this. Why? It was so important because the, we're seeing what's happening around our world. And we need to train ourselves to be godly. Godliness is the antidote against suppressing the truth. It takes faith and effort on our part, working in concert with the Holy Spirit's sanctifying work in our lives. We have to understand that you are not going to be godly because you just prayed a prayer and asked Jesus into your heart. Praise God. We do that by faith. We pray and we ask the, Holy, we ask the Lord to forgive us of our sins. To, we receive him and we confess him as our Lord and Savior. As the Apostle Paul writes there in Romans that we, we confess the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. We're saved, right? Amen. That's wonderful. But you are not godly just in that alone. There needs to be an effort on your part to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There needs to be a, a, a godliness. Remember last week, I get, uh, the last time we were together, I, I, I told you guys that they, 
Godliness is a heart that's de- it's a heart attitude that is devoted to God. It's a heart that's devoted to God, and that person that is godly starts with a devotion to the living God. And that devotion comes because you recognize, man, I was a sinner on my way to hell, and Jesus Christ saved me, washed me clean. I once was a sexual moral man. I once was a, a heathen. I once was a liar, a thief. And Jesus washed me clean, and now I serve him. Now I, I worship and magnify him, right? I once was lost, but now, praise God, I'm found. And that's that attitude of devotion toward God creates an atmosphere of a godly life. And Paul, he says, to train yourself in godliness. He tells Timothy this, and I believe this is for you and me. Today, I want us to look at a vital practice of godliness, you know, characteristics of a godly life. And one of those characteristics we're going to see and practices, I want us to look at this. And, uh, we need to understand that there are some vital practices that we need to have in our life. And we're going to look at one of those today. We need to understand that Paul uses the word train uh, in the sense that it will, it's going to take some effort on your part. You're going to have to put some effort into this. There isn't, this isn't just going to happen, uh, this is not a movie, this isn't Hollywood. You don't just say a, a couple little words and all of a sudden, wham, bam, magic, right? No, it's not like that. Uh, it is by faith and us trusting God and surrendering our hearts to Him and obeying His word. So there needs to be some effort on our part. See, when I play basketball, I train daily for hours to be the best player I could be to win. I put a lot of training I played to the point of exhaustion. When I played basketball, man, I gave it all everything I had. I'd play from the moment I finished school until I couldn't go anymore, until my legs felt like spaghetti. I played hours upon hours and to the point, like I said, of exhaustion. I'd, I'd get home, my feet were killing me, my legs were hurting. I was so tired and I just ate and, and, and fell out. <laughs> Took a shower, fell out. Uh, and there were days I didn't want to run two miles. I didn't want to lift weights. I didn't, I didn't want to have, do the drills. I didn't want to do any of that. Why? Because it's painful. It's, who wants to run two miles? Come on, let's go. No, you don't get up like that. I'm sorry. Somebody might right now do it. Why? Because they've been training and now it's, a, it's like back of their hand. And that's what happens when you begin the process of training that you, it, you, it becomes a part of your life. But let me tell you, when you're not, they're also your, your flesh doesn't want to work out. Your flesh doesn't want to do these things, right? Well, we need to see um, that these things um, are, are, this is what I'm trying to give you an imagery here of why we need to practice godliness. But, uh, but see, that practice and doing those drills, uh, it made me a better player. And it ultimately helped my team to compete to win. Everyone that went to practice and trained and, and worked hard, they got better, they got stronger, they got more accurate with their shot, they got uh, better dribbling, everything, everything changed. We, you know, I, I love it when I, when I used to coach, and I used to coach uh, my children, my boys, I used to coach them in football, I would see that uh, at the beginning they were terrible, and <laughs> they're just trying to, you know, and not just them, but everybody on the team, they were just really out of shape and, and not in the right spot. But as I began to do the drills and as I began to make them work hard and, and push them to their limits and, and really challenge them to, to practice, 
Then they began, you can see the progression, you can see how much better they became. And, and, and now they started to have fun because they could do things that at the beginning they couldn't do because they didn't know how to do it. They had to train themselves. And so as a coach, I'm training. And you know, your coach is the Holy Spirit. He's training you for, for ruling. He's training you to live a godly life. You have to be willing and submissive to his work in your life. So we need to view training ourselves to be godly in this manner, like someone competing in a game, someone running a race, you know. They have to get ready. You're not just going to run a marathon race without training because you've got to have endurance for that run. And most of us, we walk a flight of stairs, we're, <gasps> my tongue's to the ground. <laughs> you know, we're not, we just can't do that. We need to be ready. So let's talk about five I want to give you five things, uh, five things that we, we're going to look at. Uh, I want you to start, it starts, we need to be devoted to the Word of God. This is the practice. The first practice in your life, the greatest practice in your life, is to be devoted, devotion to the Word of God. That is, it is a, a vital place for the believer. You must be devoted to God's Word. Now look at your life. Look at where you live. Look at how you live. Is that relevant in your life? Are you devoted to the Word of God? Or are you devoted to something else? What is capturing your mind? What is capturing your imagination? Is it God's Word or is it man's Word? See, when Jesus was being tempted by Satan in the wilderness, this is what he said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4 God, A godly person understands that the word of God is life and truth. A godly person practices these five things concerning the word of God. I want to give you these five things that we're going to end today. The first that we're going to look at when it comes to your devotion to the word of God, the first thing is you got to be, the first thing is hearing the word of God. This means uh, the regular attendance at, at your church where, the, where you hear the pastor rightly dividing the word of God. That, the, that you're hearing attentively for what the Spirit is saying to the church. And you go back over the scriptures to see uh, if these things that the pastor was saying are true. You go back. You know, some people think you don't need to hear messages from other pastors and who have, uh, you know, they don't think it's, it's necessary, you know. They don't realize that these pastors have been gifted by God to teach the Word of God. I've been gifted by God to teach. I don't know why. I'm not special. I mean, there's nothing special. I didn't go to, I'm not the most educated, but God, in His wonderful, wonderful grace, sought to use this foolish thing. And all the glory belongs to Him. And we, we just are just like, hey, Lord, thank you that I, I can be used by you. Right. And see, the problem is that's a, that thinking is erroneous. You don't you need to hear the word of God from from those gifts that God has given the church. Those pastors who teach the word of God rightly, dividing the word of truth. Listen, Romans ten fourteen and 15 says it like this. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? 
And how can anyone preach unless they are sent, as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. <clears throat> Our feet are beautiful when we bring the good news. Amen. Listen, Romans 10, 17 as well says, Consequently, faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. See, you, you want the, the, the devotion of God's word starts by hearing it, being in the presence and, of the church and being and listening to your pastor preach the word of God weekly. Get it in. You know, I listen to other pastors preach. I listen to what they're saying. Why? Because they're a gift for me too. Now, I don't listen to everybody. But I listen. Why? Because God has given gifts to men to teach the word. And those gifts are for us, the body of Christ. We need it. Listen, Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, God has given these gifts to the church, pastors, teachers, evangelists, uh, prophets, apostles. He's given these gifts to the church in order to help you grow. And so you need to be around listening to the word of God. Why? The word of God has to come into your hearing and it, 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 it penetrates your mind and heart, you know. But the thing is, what are you listening to? The question is, what do I put my time to listen to? Is it the hollow philosophies of the world? And that's why I'm the way I'm living? Or is it the word of God that I'm taking in weekly? Uh, this doesn't mean you are to listen and accept everything you hear from pastors. No, that's not what it means. That's not what I'm saying. Because as Paul mentioned in verse 1, some have abandoned the faith teaching doctrines of demons. Not everybody who names the name of Jesus is of Jesus. Remember the Apostle Paul telling the Corinthians church that uh, he says, No wonder his apostles act just like him. They masquerade as angels of light. See, Satan comes masquerading as an angel of light. He's not going to come to you as Satan. He's not going to tell you I'm the devil, man. He's going to come into you. And, and he's going to be as close as he can to the truth with the lie in there. And so you need to take, you need to be like the Bereans. Uh, in Acts chapter 17, I'm going to go there real quick. Acts chapter 17, verses 11 and 12. I want you to go there with me. Acts chapter 17, verse, verses 11 and 12. Here's what it says. Now the Berean Jews were, a, were, more, were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul was, had said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of pro prominent Greek women and many Greek men. In other words, these, men, these people, the Bereans, we're noble people. Why? Because when, when the pastor was preaching, the Apostle Paul coming to town, preaching this message, they took what he said and they began to read it again and see if these things were true. And that's what we're to do. That's how we examine what people are saying. So secondly, 
So we are to hear the Word of God, and then we're to daily read the Word of God. We're to have a daily reading of the Word of God in our lives. We're to wake up daily, open up the Bible, and read it. Begin to read the Word of God. There are many ways you can read the Bible. You can, there's, oh man, we live in a time where you can, uh, you, if you want to read the Bible in a year, they've got so many different formulas how to do that. You can, uh, there's so many things that you can do. There are uh, people who encourage uh, people to read the Proverbs once a day. There's 31 Proverbs. You can read one a day. You know, there's the reading of God's Word. It's, it's just getting it in your eyes. Uh, we need uh, the daily reading of the Word of God. To, it's like we need to see it as like our food, right? We need to see re- reading the Word. What did Jesus say? Man does not eat on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God that proceeds. Well, this is the Word of God, and it's God breathed. And you and I, when we come to the Scriptures, God's Word is right in front of us, and we take that in, and God begins to do a work in our hearts. God begins to to wash away that which is wicked and put in what is true. Take away the lie and replacing it with the truth. Glory to God. You see, you got to see it uh, because if someone doesn't eat, real, if, you don't, if you go without eating food in a day, you're going to become weak and malnourished. You're not going to feel good. Your sugar's going to get low. Something's going to happen. You're going to feel terrible. And if you go long enough, you're eventually you're going to pass out or you might die. Why? Because you, food gives sustenance and life and nourishment, and you need food. Well, you've got to see it this way. The Word of God is life. It's the bread of life. <laughs> we need to eat of God's Word daily in order to have spiritual nourishment so that we're not weak, so that when we enter the day, so that when we go to work or when we go to play or wherever we are, we have read the Word of God. The Word of God is in our mind, is in our thinking so that our day starts with hearing from God, being in His presence. Reading the Word, God, word of God gives you wisdom and understanding. How many of you want wisdom? How many of you want understanding? Read the Word of God. You'll begin to grow in your, in your faith and you'll understand what pleases our Heavenly Father. See, look, the psalmist writes in Psalm 19:7, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise a simple. Psalm 119, verse 130, it says, The unfolding of your words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. Praise God. This simple man received understanding the moment he opened the word of God. It brought understanding to this simple man, and it can do it for you as well. You just have to open it up. Thirdly, we need to meditate on God's Word. You need to meditate upon God's Word. Oh, um, is that some kind of New Age thing you're talking about, Pastor? No, I'm not. We're not talking about trying to empty your mind. We're talking about filling your mind with the Word of God. Pondering and meditation of God's Word is, is also understanding of studying the Word of God. See, Joshua 1.8 puts it like this. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. You want to be prosperous prosperous and successful in your life? Meditate on the Word of God. I want to be prosperous and successful? I need to meditate upon God's Word. That meditation, uh, Noah Webster and his... uh, 
1828 dictionary writes, meditate, to, to meditate means to dwell on anything in thought, to contemplate, to study, to turn, or revolve any subject in the mind appropriately but not exclusively used of pious contemplation or of a consideration of the great truths of religion. See, meditating on God's Word is studying the Word of God. It's looking into the truths of the faith and dwelling on them and really taking them to heart and really thinking, Lord, okay, so you, uh, you said uh, whoever looks at a woman with lust and uh, commits adultery with her in her heart and you begin to, to think on this and study this out in your life and, okay, well, why, why is this such a big deal? Lord, why is lust such a problem? And you begin to look and God begins through his spirit to grow you and help you grow and help you overcome temptation. <laughs> Psalm 1, 1 through 2 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked or stand in the, way that, uh, in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Fourthly, we want to memorize, we're almost there. Fourthly, we want to memorize the scripture. So in meditation, again, as a study of the God's word, you, 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 you home into it, you, get, you, you, you begin to... Think on this, now we to take the word and memorize it, commit it to memory in our hearts. A godly person commits to memory the scripture so that they will not sin against God. I believe there are life scriptures for each one of us uh, so that um, we, should not, uh, we should commit to our memory these life scriptures. We should commit to memory because these specific scriptures will help us against temptation. There are things that you're going through in your life that, that the enemy is tempting you with, your flesh, all those things. You need these life verses to memorize them, commit them to memory so that you do not sin against God, so that you have a sword in your hand against the enemy when he comes to tempt you. Psalm 119.11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Commit to memorizing God's word. It takes, ex it takes work. It takes effort. Do it. You know Noah Webster, one of our founders, can quote the Bible cover to cover. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Practice the word of God is the final one. Number five, practice the word of God. The last but vital part of God... Uh, of the word of God in, in the life of a godly person is the practice of what they hear. If, if you want to be a godly person and we are training ourselves up in godliness, not only do we need to, to hear the word of God, uh, to, to um, meditate on the word of God, right? We, we, uh, we not only need to read the word of God, we don't need to meditate only. Not only do we need to memorize it, but we also need to practice it. We need to do what we hear. We need to uh, do what the Bible says. See, some of you are like the people of Ezekiel's day who love to listen to him. You love to listen to and be entertained, but not obey what you hear. You see, man, I love to hear Pastor Danny, man. There's, 
man, he just excites me and everything like that. But do you listen with the intent to obey God's word? You see, they did this in Ezekiel's time. I want to take you there. Go with me to Ezekiel. I want you to see Ezekiel chapter 33, verses 30 through 32. This is the prophet Ezekiel, the Old Testament. Try to get there myself. One second. Ezekiel 33. And we're going to look at verses 30 through 32. As for you, son of man, your people are talking together about you by the walls and at the doors of the, of, of the houses, saying to each other, Come and hear the message that has come from the Lord. My people come to you as they usually do and sit before you to hear your words, but they do not put them into practice. Their mouths speak of love, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear the words, but do not put them into practice. There are people right now, uh, the sound of my voice, that they love to hear the word of God as for entertainment, but they do not practice it. Now, let me tell you what Jesus says about this. We need to be careful with that. Look at Matthew chapter 7. We're almost done. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into what? Practice. is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose. The winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had a foundation. It had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice it's like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. You see, practicing the word of God helps us, anchors us on solid ground so that when the storms and tribulations of life come, we will remain standing. You notice that in both cases, the storm and the winds came. Everyone. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. Suffering, we all know. But it's only those who are hearing and doing what Jesus says that will stand when the storm comes. Amen? Lastly, James chapter 1. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after, he, after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Praise God. So we need to be devoted to the word of God. This is a practice of a godly life. You need to be devoted to the word of God. You need to be um, one who, is, who hears the word of God. Listen uh, to your pastor's messages. 
you want to be one who opens the word of God daily, reading the word of God daily. You want to be one who meditates upon the word of God. That is the, uh, a student heart, one who wants to study the scriptures and, and get a proper understanding to know what is the will of God concerning what he's saying in the word. We want to commit the word of God to memory, number four. And number five, we want to practice what we hear. Amen? So <clears throat> what we're reading, we want to practice it. We want to walk by faith. Amen? So um, I want to pray now as we close tonight. I want to pray for you and uh, pray that, you know, if there's someone listening, someone in here, someone listening, if you'll bow your head, you might be listening, you might be watching, and you might be someone who who you're hearing this and you're like, Pastor, I don't have any desire for God. I don't have a devoted heart to God. Well, my friend, maybe you don't know Jesus. You know what's good? You can know him today. Today could be the day of your salvation. The day could be the day that you repent of your sin and confess the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you know what? If you do that today, sir, ma'am, if you humble yourself before the mighty God, the Bible says he'll save you. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you want to be saved? Do you want to give your life to Christ? Do that tonight. Do that tonight. Don't, don't do that at this moment. Don't stop where you are. If you're driving, pull over and get on your, get, 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 uh, bow your head before God, cry out to him and he'll save you and he'll fill you with his spirit. And then go and say, God, connect me to a body of Christ. Lead me to a church where I can grow and fellowship with other believers. And commit yourself to practicing a devotion to the word of God in these five things that I said. Commit yourself to that. I want to pray for you who you are a Christian. And, and you're like, Pastor, I, I do love the Lord, but I, have, I've, I, need to, I, need, I need revival in my heart. I want... I, I'm not where I need to be in this. I, I, I barely read the Bible. Well, God's speaking to you right now. He wants you to, he wants you to take the dust off of it. And he, he bids you to come and spend time with him. He wants you to have intimacy with him. And it's going to come through your devotion to his word. And so I want to pray for you. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. For those Christians right here and those listening and watching that you would speak to their hearts, Lord, through this message. And that, God, if they have not been devoted to your word like they should, today, let it be a day of repentance and refreshing that comes from you, Lord. Oh, God, they get to spend time with you. They get to open this word and read it. And they get to uh, commit it to their memory. They get to meditate on it and study it so that they can have the 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 offensive weapon against the enemy when he comes to lie to them. They can speak the truth just as Jesus did in that, in that moment when Satan came to tempt him. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. I pray that you'll have your way. Be with us now as we go, Lord. May your presence, may your face shine upon us, Lord, as we leave this place. We ask you, Lord, to be with us this week. Lord, use us to be a light to those around us that we might proclaim the gospel. You said, bless are the feet of those who bring good news. And I pray that we carry the good news with us outside these walls, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.